Good morning. God bless every one of you this morning. It's been a blessing to be here already. Uh, I too was ministered to. And you know, God, isn't that God? He never lets us down. Has God ever left you down, folks? No. No, we pray for the service. We pray for that God would be here. And he shows up. And he ministers to each one of us right where we're where we are at in our lives, in our need. And he hears the cry of our hearts. And praise God, he meets that and we go away encouraged and inspired. And that is our God. I thank him for his faithfulness, for his love. It's our part this morning to have faith in him. Amen. That was a good foundation for the message that I'm going to preach. Because without faith, you know, it's hard to trust in a God who we don't have faith in. It's hard to to have faith in a God we don't trust. But praise God, we can trust Him. His promises are yea and amen. And we can stand on them this morning. So I'm thankful for that. So it's good to be here with you. We hear a lot about oases and now we get to experience worshiping with the saints here. We bring greetings to you from joy. We consider ourselves fellow pilgrims on the way to glory. And we were here to encourage one another and bless one another and uh, stir each other up in the Lord. Amen. To be faithful to Him. So we want to do that this morning. But I do feel a keen, I feel a weakness in my own flesh, in my own self here this morning. Let's call on God to ask Him to come and again bless our time here this morning to anoint the words of the of the Bible. You know, we don't want to hear just, uh, not just dry words, but we want it to minister to us. We want the, the word as it comes to us to quicken us. And uh, the word of God is alive. And we want him to, the word of God to meet our need. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus. Lord, you are an awesome, loving shepherd. Thank you that we are your sheep. And Lord, we pray now, Lord, that you would come and minister to each of us, Lord. You don't, uh, you know what we, each of us have gone through this past week. You know where we are at. Lord, and I pray that you would use the message this morning to encourage those who need encouragement and, and to convict those that perhaps need to repent or, or turn from, uh, something in their life that isn't pleasing you, Lord. And, and so I pray that for my own self, Lord. Will you stir us, Lord, and uh, cause us to, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So come, feed your sheep this morning. Feed us, Lord. Anoint the, the, the Bible, the message to our needs this morning. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I would like to uh, to preach uh, an expository message from Second Peter chapter one. And uh, for those of you who are from Joy here, good to see you. But you're going to have to listen to this sermon again. But I felt God wanting me to preach this here this morning again. It was such a blessing to me as I studied this portion of Scripture, and I thought I would share it with you this morning. And uh, now, let's uh, stand and let's read 
this scripture together. Everybody stand. Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter, give me a turn in your Bibles. Second Peter chapter one, verses one, two, and including eleven. Verse eleven. From one to eleven. You ready? Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you. The everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You may be seated. There's a number of phrases here uh, in this passage that we just read that are repeated several times. I just want to point them out before we... uh, The word precious, precious faith, precious promises. Uh, Another phrase in verse 2, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And then in verse 3, through the knowledge of Him that had called us to virtue and glory. The knowledge of Him. He talks about divine power. He talks about the divine nature. And so we want to look at this. Oh, I want to break this down and see what God has for us this morning. Well, the writer of this book is Peter. And we all know Peter. And we know what type of person he was. I think he was a, a very outspoken person. He was uh, uh, impulsive, maybe. And but when he uh, got full of the Holy Ghost, he was a changed man. Amen. When Peter at Pentecost received the Holy Ghost, he became a different man. And I think. That it's the same with you and I. You know, God wants direct wants to direct our energies. He wants to get a hold of you and I and use our personalities, our makeup, 
and our our zeal and our energies for His kingdom. Amen? And that's what He did to Peter. Peter became a different man. He became a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, what is a servant? A servant is someone who, what, serves. Serves, and a servant takes orders from a master or from a a superior, somebody that's above him. And and, uh, Peter was a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave his heart and life over to the Lord Jesus Christ and allowed him to control his life. He is calling you and I today to become his servants. Are you a servant of Jesus Christ this morning? I trust you are. We want to be his servants. We want to, want him to call the shots in our life. Amen? You know, we, in order for him, for us to be a servant of Jesus Christ, we need to serve him. Can we serve God without serving him? No. But we, we get off the throne of our lives and we allow the Lord Jesus Christ to, to call the shots in our lives. And therefore, that's the way we can serve him. We serve him that way. The servant takes his order from his masters. And folks, there are only two servants, or two masters, I'm sorry. There are two masters. It is the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is Satan and his kingdom. Either we are serving Jesus Christ, or we're serving Satan. Who are you serving today? It's a question. Think back over your life the last week. Who were you serving? Who were you listening to? Who were you allowing to control your life? Were you submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ or were you listening to the voice of Satan? I trust that we're all committed to serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to encourage us this morning. And I'm preaching to myself this morning as well as you. I want to allow the Lord Jesus Christ to be my Master and Lord. And I I want to receive instruction from Him. And I want Him to control my life and to be His servant, to be a faithful servant. Yes, there are only true ma- two masters. We cannot be neutral. We cannot have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. We cannot serve God and Satan. It's either one or the other. Amen. So who do you take your orders from? Just think about your life. You know, Jesus set a good example, didn't he? He came to serve. He came to do the will of the Father. And uh, he wanted to do those things that pleased the Father. And that was Jesus. And him and God were one. And I trust that is our cry this morning. That we want to serve him. We want him to, uh, to rule and reign in our lives. We want to be a true servant. You know, there's people today that, that serve God with their lips. But their heart is far from the Jesus, or uh, it was in the Old Testament, I think, where the, the prophets were crying out through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and they were preaching to the Israel and to Judah and saying, "You, you serve me with your lips, but your heart is far from me." Let's go further than just a lip service. Let's serve Him from our hearts. Amen. says Paul or Peter a servant and an apostle now that word apostle there means a special messenger that's actually what it means well certainly 
uh, God had uh, a work for Peter to do. And uh, he was an apostle, and he helped start the... Uh, God used him in a mighty way there in the early church, in preaching there at Pentecost. And we know how many people come to uh, repentance there daily. And, uh, you know, the church was started and things were shaken and what was upside down turned right side up. And, and God used Peter in a very special way. But, you know, today you and I are also maybe not apostles like Peter was, but we all have a calling, don't we? We are, we all have a special message to preach. We are all special messengers of Jesus Christ. We all have a story to tell. If we're here this morning and we're born again and we are, uh, delivered from Satan and his kingdom and we're translated into the light, we have a story to tell. We have a message to tell. So we, in that sense, are also apostles. We do have a special message. We have a special work to do. Each one of us, under the sound of my voice, God is calling to a special purpose, a special work that he has for you in your life that only, only you can do it, only you can fulfill. You believe that? Yeah. Nobody can fulfill what God had planned for me to do. You know, you can think about your, your everyday life. Mother's in the home. Only you can be that mother, that godly mother, that godly example to your children or grandchildren. Only you can do that. You have a special calling to fulfill. You have people that you meet daily, that you rub shoulders with, men on the job and wherever. You have a, a special calling, a special message in your life. Let's rise to the challenge and let's be that special messenger that God has called you to. He's a servant and apostle. And we should be too. To them that obtained like precious faith. That word precious there. I can find it in my notes here. Means equal to. Or equal privilege, the same as. Now, I, I had known that before I studied this passage. But this precious faith, faith, he says, you have the faith. He is writing, Peter's message that he is writing to is for people who have experienced the same experience at the cross that he did. If I can say it in that, in that way. Like precious faith. It's for everybody. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, equal, for all men, everywhere, every race, kindred, people, and tongues, have opportunity to be saved. It's not just for us here. It's not just from people from Joy or Oasis or whatever church you want to name. It's for everybody. We all have that equal opportunity to respond. But let's be faithful in proclaiming that. Let's be that messenger like I talked to. That precious faith. Now, this is a different kind of faith than what our brother was talking about this morning. It's a different meaning. The meaning this, uh, that we were talking about this morning, earlier, brother, I appreciated that faith. We certainly need that faith, that trust and faith in God. But this faith is... Well, if I can find the definition here, is the gospel. That's what it means. Like precious faith. 
or belief or a system of belief is what this means. He's writing to those who had the same system of belief is what I, the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's contained in this book. It's right here. It's the good news. It's the body of truth of God as revealed in his word. That's who he is writing to. Like precious faith. With us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. This faith. This experience comes not from anything except what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary. Yes, we need to respond to to the uh, to the work of redemption, but there's nothing that we have done to merit this righteousness. It is imputed to you and I this morning. We receive the imputed righteousness of God when we come to him in repentance, we turn from our sin, and we allow him to be Lord of our life. And he imputes his righteousness on us. It's nothing that we earn up. We can't do good enough. We can't be good enough to earn his righteousness. But it's through the righteousness. That's what it says here. And if I'm wrong, you correct me. But it's through the righteousness. We receive this faith, this good news, through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And then when we respond to him in faith and believing and obedience, He imputes His righteousness on us. He gives us His righteousness. Clad in His righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. That's how we stand before the throne, in His righteousness alone. That He gives us. Praise God. We can be washed white and clean. Not a works, Ephesians 2 says. Not a works, lest any man should boast. You know, we can't earn... We can't be good enough on our own. But it's as we trust in the blood and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary, he then can work in our lives. Okay, next verse. Verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace. What is grace? What is grace, brothers? What is grace and peace to be multiplied? What is that grace he's talking about? What's the definition of grace? Yes, Earl. The working of God in our hearts. Amen? Anyone else? Yes. Unmerited favor of God, Myron. The ability and power to do God's will. Amen. They're all right. Yeah, the divine influence on the heart. I think I remember Brother Denny giving that definition. I just more by what Earl said there. The divine influence of the heart. You know, God is looking down on you and I this morning as his children. And he's longing to impart his divine will, his divine power in our lives. He's longing to do that. That's grace. This undeserving favor that he has toward you and I. And someone else said, uh, grace is the acrostic. And I thought it's pretty good. It says, 
grace, G-R-A-C-E, grace, G is God, R is riches, A is at, C is Christ, and E is expense. I'm sure you've heard that. And I think that's right too. You know, this grace that we have, this grace that God wants to give didn't come free. It came with a tremendous cost. God sent His only Son and allowed Him to bleed and die on Calvary so that we could be, we could receive this grace and that He could, yeah, that He could impart this grace to you and I. So grace and peace be multiplied. Divine enable, enablement. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to men. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. This is not a little thing, brothers and sisters. This grace that God wants to impart to you and I is not a little thing. Let's reach out to it. Let's respond when God wants to give, impart His grace to us. It's like my wife preparing a delicious meal. And I'm uh, sure, you know, if you've come in from, the, from work and you were starved, hungry, and, and here she has this wonderful meal set down, the mashed potatoes and the shrimp and the steak or whatever you like, but in the meatloaf maybe, if you're poor like us. And corn and lima beans or peas and carrots, whatever, and you're there and you're on with, you're drooling. And you know, it smells good, it looks good, but unless I eat it, it won't benefit me a thing. Isn't that how it is true? With the grace of God, we need to receive the grace of God. And in order to receive the grace of God, we need to get out of the way. I need to get out of the way in order for me to receive that grace. I need to partake. I need to allow that to become a part of my life and change me and give me strength for the day. I'm glad that God wants to do that. I'm glad that He makes that available to me right down where I can get it. That food is available to me. It's not a, you know, across through the window somewhere and I can't get at it. You know what I mean? It's there. It's attainable. His grace is attainable. Follow my notes. Okay, this grace, and I'll, I'll, we'll talk about the peace a little later, but this grace he wants to multiply. And I'm not sure what all that means, but there's plenty of it. May I just say that, my own interpret? There's plenty of grace for us to meet your need and mine when we face something. When we face something that we need, Holy Ghost power, it's there. And there's plenty of it. It's multiplied. It's there. There's no shortage. Not going to run out. It's there 24-7 for, for you and I. Grace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, this grace, does it just fall out of heaven and plop on you and, and you get it and you live happily thereever after? Is that how it works? God has it. Here it is. This grace He wants to give to us. But how do we, how do we get it? 
How do we get it? How do we apply the grace of God? How do we appropriate that grace of God? It says, through the knowledge. And I don't know if I'm, this is the right interpretation, but I think it's just simply taking time, brothers and sisters, to sit at the feet of Jesus. Taking time to learn to know Him. Through the knowledge. Through the knowledge of God. We learn to know God. We learn to know Jesus. When we sit at His feet. When we spend time at the foot of the cross. When I survey the wondrous cross. Take time to survey that and see what Jesus did for us. Spend time with God in communion with Him. It will change my life and yours. Spending time with God. That's our part. That's all part of receiving this grace. Let's be diligent in that. Let's spend time, mothers and fathers, young people. Spend time with God so you can have the grace and the power and the strength to overcome. To be overcomers. And then, yeah, we're going to talk about glory later. But Get ahead of myself here. Through the knowledge of God. And now the peace. Let's talk about peace. This peace. Grace and peace be multiplied. What is peace? Grace and peace be multiplied. Well, peace, quietness, rest, tranquility, calmness. Another meeting is set at one again. I like that. Set at one again. You know, when you have a, a conflict with somebody, maybe husbands, maybe this never happened to you, maybe you have a conflict with your wife, and there's just something there. But then, you make it right. You apologize. You ask for forgiveness and, and pardon, and you come together. Set at one again. There's no more of this tension. There's no more of this... Uh, there's something between us set at one. Beautiful. Grace and peace be multiplied. How do we get that peace? How do we get the peace of God? We all want peace. Amen? We want peace. We need peace in our lives. But how do we get it? How does it come? How does it a reality in your life? It's at being one with God. The hymn writer says, Peace I ask. But peace must be Lord in being one with thee. That's how peace comes, in being one with God. And in order to be one with God, you know, God is not going to move. God is truth. He's eternal. We need to submit to Him and not us, not Him to us. That's how peace comes. So, do you have peace this morning? Do you have peace? Do you have assurance this morning? Are you at one with God? Are you saying yes to God? That's how you get peace. That's how I got it. That's the only way I could get it. I tried it other ways. I tried to manipulate God. But it doesn't work. And when you have God's peace, you know it. Because, yeah, He just gives it automatically. When you say yes to God in every area of your life, Every room in your life, every detail of your life. And I'm still growing in that, folks. I don't want to stand here and pretend I have it all together. 
I want to grow in this grace. I want to grow in this peace. It is God's will that we have peace, that we be one with him. Peace comes only by knowing that your sins are forgiven. They are covered by the blood we sing sometimes. Not only covered, but they're removed. (laughs) Amen? They're removed. That's peace. Be multiplied. Verse 3. Keeps getting better. According to His divine power. I love that. Hath He given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Again, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. His divine power. Now, what does the word divine mean, brothers? I didn't know either. I, you know, I knew it was divine, something by God, but... Divine means godlike or of God. So this power that he wants, that is given to us, his divine power hath he given to us. Divine power that he gives to us. Let that grip you. God wants to impart his divine power. Now that word power is taken from, I think it's taken from the word dunamis, which is dynamite. He gives us the divine dynamite. The power to do... When I think of dynamite, I think it's something exceedingly powerful. It can move rocks and break rocks and destroy buildings instantly. Almost miraculously. Well, amen! God's divine power is miraculous. It can do what we cannot do. It can do miracles. Have you experienced the divine power of God? It's there for us. According to His divine power. The divine power of God. Just think about that. The divine power of God to change a sinner into a saint. That's divine power. It's divine power when Jesus and God and the Trinity said, Let there be light. And there was light. That's divine power. That is of God and from God. God said, let there be the stars. And he created the stars with the breath of his mouth. I don't know what he did. Puffed. There they were. The universe. Divine power. And God wants to impart to you and I his divine power. That excites me. Lord, I want more of it. Lord, why did I fail so many times? Why do I fail sometimes? Because I'm not appropriating His divine power. It's not God's fault. And my mind went to Romans 12 there. I don't know if I'll turn to it. But he says, Who can separate us from the love of God? Then he goes, Can tribulation, distress, pearls, famine, sword, boars, whatever. He says, Nothing, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. That's enough for me, folks. That's enough. His love can keep us. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling in Jude and to present you faultless. The power, this divine power of God is able. 
to keep you from falling. Keep you from sinning. Keep you from losing your way. Praise God. And then, he goes, he just reminds me, this reminds me of this scene I can see in heaven. God takes my hand, or Jesus does, and takes me before the Father, the great white throne judgment. This is, this is your son, Earl Fox. I'm presenting him to you. He is faultless. He presents us faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. How much that would please God, or please Jesus, to present you and I faultless before the Father. I want to be there. I don't want to miss that. The divine power, the keeping power of God. If God before us, what? Who can be against us? Let's rise up in faith and courage, brothers. Let's claim this divine power. Now, we want to talk about how to get the power. You know, It's good to talk about it. But how do we get it? I think we already talked about it. Divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That word there, pertain, means that which is absolutely necessary, indispensable, cannot be done without it. Now, let me read that again. He given to, to us all things that are absolutely necessary, that we cannot do without to be godly. Through the knowledge of Him. You know, it's there for us. There's not a situation in your life. There's not a circumstance. There's not a problem that I have or you. And here again, it's it's a faith like our brother was talking about. That we need to believe God. We need to believe His Word. And it doesn't make sense. And we know too much. I like that. I know too much. How is that going to ever work out? We need to just trust God. Trust Him. And you know, the more we sit at His feet, the more that we know God, the more we can trust Him. It's just like a person. You know, the more I know my brother Myron, and uh, we know, we share hearts, the, more, the deeper we can go in our spiritual lives and emotionally. And we, that, That's true with husband and wife. Through the knowledge of Him. But I'm so glad that our Father gives us everything that we need to be a successful Christian. He doesn't ask us to do something that we cannot do. But He gives it. The grace is there. The grace is there. And I hope this is encouraging you this morning. It has encouraged me and challenged me and even convicted me. He has called us to glory and virtue. That's what He's called us to. That's our calling, folks. To glory and virtue. And I looked that word glory up and He just said glory. I don't know. That that didn't help me too. But I thought, well, glory. He wants us to glow. (laughs) Can I put my own interpretation in there? Sisters, Jesus wants you to glow for Him. We have something to glow about. Amen? We should be glowing with this experience. That, that affects the outside, doesn't it? What's in the inside comes out. 
He has called us to glory and virtue. Virtue means goodness. Just being a godly person. Being like Jesus. That's what he's calling you to. Am I glowing for him? I must admit, I don't always glow like I should. But I want, I want to glow for him. And then verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Well, I'll just stop there. That are giving unto us exceeding, exceeding great and precious promises. Oh, what are the promises of God? Can you, are you standing on the promises of God? What are they? Anyone? Sisters, brothers, what are the promises of God that you're standing on today? Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. So, the promise is, is mostly, if not always, conditional. So you want to experience, you want to experience the precious promises? You want to really have them a reality in your life? And we need to meet the conditions. Draw nigh to God. So if we draw nigh to God, then we have a promise. He will draw nigh to us. You know, and the Lord has never let me down in that. When God is far away, it's not that God moved, it's that I moved. So let's let's stand on the... What are some more promises? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The promise is, I will give you rest. What's the condition? What's the condition? Just show up. To come. Come. Yeah. If ye keep these, if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Ye shall never fall. We like that part. But how about the doing part? If ye do these things, that's a condition. That's that's our part. God does His part. We do our part. But folks, we can stand on those promises. Is there is there some more? He resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Yeah, God resisteth the proud. So for proud, we won't give have that grace. But if we are humble, then He gives us that grace. Anyone else? A promise that you can stand up. Yeah. Confess your faults one to another that ye may be healed. Yeah. Spiritually and physically, I believe. If God so chooses. <clears throat> he gives us these exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the what? Divine nature. <laughs> well, what is the divine nature? What is the divine nature, men? To be like God. Be like God. Yes. That, that awesome. That you and I can take on the nature of God. When our nature, our Adamic nature, 
Our native nature is totally opposite of the nature of God. That's a miracle, folks. That you and I can have the divine nature of God. Tell me more about the nature of God. Holiness. Walk in holiness. What does holiness mean? Without rottenness, right? Without corruption. Sinless. The nature of God. What's the nature of God like? What does that look like? God is love. If God is love, He's love and He loves the unlovely, doesn't He? And He loves. It's a godly love. He loves when there's no love in return. Now, we have the divine nature of God, we say. So, how does that work? Right down in everyday life, down to bare metal, you know. Marin. Yeah. There it is. Love, joy, peace. The love that God gives. The divine nature of God in love will enable you and I to love when people are treat us meanly. When we're treated unfairly. That's really a test, isn't it? To have the nature of God. Yeah, and sometimes my flesh wants to rise up. Immediately. Holy Spirit says, Earl, not right, not right. Well, then I have to make a decision. Then you and I have to make a decision. Am I going to go according to the flesh? Who am I going to listen to? Am I going to take on the nature of God? That he has appropriated to me, or am I gonna just yeah, take my own way? Yes. Slow to wrath. Long suffering. Love, joy, peace, long suffering. Slow to wrath. How about it? Am I slow to wrath? Or am I quick to flare up? Somebody does something that I think is that I didn't deserve. Yeah, us men we're tempted to that sometime. We're quick, maybe with our children. I don't know, maybe the ladies aren't. Had that problem, but we, yeah, slow to wrath. The nature of God, being gentle. It doesn't mean being a wimp, fathers. It means being gentle, being sensitive, being sensitive to your family, being sensitive to your wife, the needs of your wife, the needs of your little ones and your teenagers, taking time with them. That's the nature of God, this divine nature that he wants to impart to us gets right down to practical areas in our life, doesn't it? Love. Joy. How about the joy? How about the glowing part? God is joyful. It's part of His nature. We need to be joyful people. We can't crank it up ourselves, can we? We have to to find that at the foot of the cross. Peace. Long-suffering. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith. Temperance and so forth. We can have the divine nature of God. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world. That's why he gives us. That's why we can stand on these promises. And that's why we can become partakers. That we can escape. What does it say? Escape the corruption. Doesn't sound like a good word. Something you've got to stay away from. Escape means... Well, I'm notorious for not following my notes. 
Escape means to run away from. Get away from it as fast as you can. Escape the corruption. Men, there's opportunity for you and I to corrupt ourselves. You know what I'm talking about. Morally. The look. But when we possess the divine nature of God, we have the power to say no. Yeah, I'm tempted. But what do I do with that temptation? No, Satan. I will not yield to that. The divine nature of God will give you the power to say no, to, to escape the corruption that is in the world. But I don't know what, temp, what your besetting sins are, sisters. But think of your, whatever you're tempted with, whatever God is dealing with you in your life, you can make a decision. The power is there for you to escape the corruption. The things that displease God in your life, it's there. That power is there. The divine nature of God can kick in and take over. It's an illustration like uh, when I'm mowing my grass, I have this zero turn uh, mower. When I come to a real high spot in the grass, uh, man, you'll understand it. These engines, I think it's like 24 horsepower engine on there, and they have governors on there that regulate the, the RPMs of the engine. Now, the engine is probably running at, I don't know, how fast do they run? 3,000 RPMs or something, like your lawnmower. And there it is. And when you need more power, that governor kicks in. The revolutions don't increase, but it gives it more fuel, more power when needed. And uh, I know that's a crude illustration, but that's the way it is. The divine nature kicks in when we need it. It's there. The governor opens up, and the fuel is turned up, and we can be successful through that trial, through that temptation. Do you believe that? Man. So let's avail ourselves to it. Men, sisters, whatever you're facing, there is power to escape the corruption that is in the world. And then besides this, <laughs> he keeps powering it on. <clears throat> Giving all diligence. Diligence. What is diligence? What's the opposite of diligence? Fly by night, just whatever. Is it, was there another one? Complacency. Yeah, just laziness. Give all diligence. I don't know how you could say it a lot stronger. Give all diligence. Add to your faith, to your system of belief. What you believe is true about God and His Word. I'm going to give diligence to add to your belief system virtue, goodness. Just be good. Just do what is right. Do what Jesus would do. Add to your faith virtue. You know, just right down to where we live. I think it's what he's saying. Being a good person. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your 
good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Yeah, we live a holy life in front of our families, in front of our church, in front of our neighbors. Goodness. It's right there where we live. Amen. The grace is there. The power is there. And to virtue, it's all this goodness, knowledge. You need that. Because you're not going to be able to be good very long. You need that washing of the water by the word of God. You need that knowledge. I do. I need to spend time in the word. I said that before. Add to your, your virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance. Temperance is self-control, discipline, controlling my appetite in whatever area, whether it's food, whatever it is. Just not being lopsided, not being eccentric. Allowing my wife to help me in these areas. Allowing my brotherhood to not allow me to go out on a limb somewhere in doctrine or whatever. Being temperate, being pliable. Self-controlled. And to brotherly kind, and to godliness, yeah. To knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience. Patience means endurance. We're in it for the long haul, folks. Amen. This is not just a fly by night, like was said. We're in this for the long haul. He that endures to the end will receive the crown of life and shall be saved. He that endures to the end. Endurance. That's part of it. We need to plan. You know, life isn't easy. We sung this morning that, that hymn, you know, about the, uh, my, the, the, uh, the shadows are, are overcast, the sky's overcast, and sometimes we just need to walk by faith. We can't see the sun, but we know the road and we're going to walk by faith, even though we can't see hardly the next step. God will show us the step by step. Patience. Endurance. Keeping on. And the grace is there for that. But we need to commit ourselves. We need to commit ourselves to keeping on. I will not quit. By God's grace. To godliness, brotherly kindness. Being kind. Kind to the erring ones. Kind to my brothers, especially those that are of the household of faith. Kindness. Hereby shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye, what? Love. Love and kindness there. Showing kindness. Expression of love. This is right where we live, folks. Being kind. Are you kind to your wife, husbands? You're always kind to her. Be kind to your children. I'm not talking about being wishy-washy, but being kind. Being gentle. Brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, charity. And we know what that is. Read uh, Corinthians 13. Is it First Corinthians 13? Yeah. 
Verse 8. The promise. For if, if these things be in you and abound, and you're, you're prospering in this and you're abounding and when I think of something abounding, I don't know. What, just a constant bubbling up and there's plenty of it and it's, it, it just oozes out of you. You know, some people are abounding in, in love. They're abounding in their Christian lives and it just oozes out of them. It just flows out of their life. That's the kind of people I want to be, person I want to be. That's the kind of people I want to be around. Amen. Those that abound in love. If these things be in you and abound, what things? Well, this kindness, brotherly kindness, charity, perseverance, temperance, goodness. person who knows his Bible. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall... This is a funny way to say it, but he's saying, they make you that ye shall be neither barren nor unfruitful. God wants fruit in our lives. He's looking for fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. You name it. The fruit that God wants to see in your life. Are you bearing fruit? Is your life bearing fruit for Jesus? If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you of being one? I'm sure you heard that. Amen. Let's abound in these things. And let's be fruitful. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind. And that's not a very good situation. It's pretty incapacitating to be blind. It really inhibits your effectiveness, isn't it? Wouldn't it be? Men, if you were blind, it would really affect the, uh, the efficiency of your work. Of your effectiveness. If you were blind... He that lacks these things is blind. Can't see. That's not a very comfortable position to be in. Blind and cannot see afar off. Short-sightedness. Living for the day. And hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. It's good to remember where we've come from. And what we've been delivered from. Amen. Wherefore, rather, brethren, give diligence, again, to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. I like the straightforwardness of that. Peter, it's right on. I like that. If ye do these things... The emphasis that I put on is if, if we are diligent in putting these things on and making them a part of our lives, and if we do them, if we do them. So think of an area in your life and mine. Is there an area in your life that God, you know God is not pleased with? I don't know. I don't know your lives. I know many of you here, but not all. And plus, those of you do who uh, I know, I can't see into your heart. But is there anything in our lives, in my life, that isn't pleasing to God? What am I going to do about it? You know, if I just 
let it go, let it, you know, oh, that was, that, that teaching was good, that, but unless I take action, unless I make some steps to change my life, I'll probably keep on doing what I'm doing, what I've been doing in the past. I probably won't change. But sometimes, folks, it takes some radical changes. The Lord had to do that to me. It takes some radical changes in my life to allow me to come through to victory. And I don't know what those areas are, but do it. If you, uh, how does it say? If you don't, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. I believe that's true. It's true in our Christian lives too. It's, it's true in our jobs. If we don't plan, Brother Lyndon, if you don't plan your business, you don't have a business plan, you don't know where you're going, where you come from, you're going to fail. But if you plan, and you have some course of action, you'll succeed. And that is true. That sounds, I'm not, I'm not preaching a, a self help gospel here. But God hears the cries of our heart. And He knows the longings. And if we are there and we're serious about changing areas in our lives that we see that don't please Him, He will be there to meet us. Draw nigh to God, like His sister said. He will draw nigh to you. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. I want to stand on that. I want to be those that do. In verse 11, in closing, For so an entrance shall be ministered, or shall be given. But in my own words, God's going to make a way for us. Praise God. He's going to make a way for us to be what we should be. For so an entrance, or a way, shall be given unto us abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God bless each of you. I trust you were encouraged and inspired like I was and convicted. Let's be diligent to make our calling and election sure.